You have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from November 27, 2022. The text was Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. Our uh, plan for Advent uh, was to leave Hebrews and preach the passages and the themes that we're going to be following for these six weeks. But as Jeremy was working through uh, last week's sermon, he suggested that maybe we should go ahead and look at the end of chapter 2 because it goes along so well with, with Advent and with Christmas and that it really is the foundation of what it is that we're even celebrating in the weeks leading up to Christmas and and obviously Christmas itself. So today we're going to be combining the two of them, as Nathan has uh, read, uh, both um, both the Advent theme and Hebrews, uh, the Hebrews passage. But over the next five weeks, we're going to take a break then from Hebrews and then pick it back up again at the first of the year. So uh, just something to uh, look forward to uh, for today. So thank you for the, to the worship committee for putting this together and for the work that you did, um, and especially the, uh, a lot of the kids seem to be involved. So thank you for doing that. As I prepared for this sermon and, and looking at our Advent theme and our passage from Hebrews for today, I found that they created a lot of messages, or sorry, a lot of questions uh, in my mind. Um, and for us to understand our Advent theme that we were looking at today and the passage um, that we're going to look at as well, they were questions that needed answers. And some of them were, so what was it that Zachariah and Elizabeth were, were lamenting and longing for anyway? Why were they needing a Savior? Why were the children of Israel in such a predicament And why had they struggled for all those centuries and generations to be the people that God had called them to be when he chose Abraham's family to be his special people? And as our passage in Hebrews looks at for today, why did Jesus have to become a man and live a sinless life and die in our place? What needed to be accomplished anyway? And what was the end goal? Of course, we can all rattle off the Sunday school answer off the top of our heads without giving it much thought. Obviously, it's because we all need a Savior. But what does that really mean? Have you ever stopped and and given that any thought? What? I mean, we've always known that that's the answer, but but why is that the answer? What's, What's going on? Why did God choose this way? to redeem us and restore our broken relationship with himself. Now, there are some deep and extensive theological explanations that we could look at today um, with well-thought-out logic and, and a lot of big words. But if that's what you're looking for for today, then you'll have to find someone else much more 
intellectually gifted than I am to go into all these explanations. This morning, my desire is to keep it simple. And you know, that's the beauty of the gospel as I've thought about this. It's so complex that even we or the most intellectual minds cannot fully fathom what exactly it is that God has done what he's doing. Yet at the same time, it's so simple that even a child can grasp it, can believe it, and can receive it. So in order to answer these questions that I began with today, we need to go back to the beginning of the story. And one of the things that I appreciated as we looked and watched the Bible Project videos is they're helping us understand what Scripture is. It is God's story. It's not just a bunch of laws, some history, some genealogy, some songs, and some prophecies. No, it's God's story all woven together into a common theme. It's God's story of who he is and who we are and how in spite of our rejection of him, he made a way for our relationship to be restored. So why is it that our relationship with God was broken and why did Jesus have to be born and live a perfect life and die a criminal's death? Well, the answer is, again is simple. The rules said so. Which brings another question to my mind. Why, why did God get to write the rules? And again, we know the answers to these questions, but we often don't really think about them or think about what they really mean. But let's take a look at them for a little bit and think about what they have to do with, Christian, with Christmas. I think we find this, as I said, we go back to the beginning of the story. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is God's world. He alone had the power, the wisdom, the desire to create this vast universe, so he spoke it into existence. And therefore, he alone had the right to set the laws of nature and the moral code that this world was to run by. Now, if you're like me, that sounds like God is a bit of a bully and a little arrogant. It's my world, I get to make the rules. It sounds like my older cousins when I was a kid. Huh, Carl? <laughs> oh, wait, I'm one of his older cousins, so I didn't sound like this, though. It always had to be their way because they were older. We had to go by their rules. But God is not selfish, nor is he a bully. Look at what he does in creation. He speaks it all into existence in all of its glory. Jeremy showed us some pictures last week and talked about how marvelous God's creation is. And then God formed Adam from the dust and he made him in his image and breathed life into him. He created Eve from Adam's rib and gave them to each other as companions. He gave them dominion over the animals. He planted them a garden. He walked with them and he talked with them in the cool of the evenings. There was a deep, intimate relationship there. So he did all these things and he said, here... Eat from every tree in the garden except for just one. Just don't eat from that one. That's the only rule that I'm going to give you. He gave them paradise. They had an intimate relationship with a God that had just created all of this. 
They never they had all that they could ever need, all that they could ever want, and he made one simple rule. He gave them life abundantly, but he also gave them a free will and a choice and said, "Here, have life, but if you rebel and disobey, then you will die." That doesn't sound like a school schoolyard bully or someone that just has to control every situation that they're involved in, does it? He gave them all these things and said, I just want you to follow this one rule. Just don't eat from that tree. You can have everything else that you can possibly imagine. Just that one thing. So let's keep that in mind as we continue on in the story and as we think about God having the right and the responsibility to set the laws of his universe. So you know the story. They rebelled, and instantly they died spiritually. They felt shame. They hid from God. They blamed one another and pointed fingers. And they were banished from the garden and began a life of physical pain that eventually ended in physical death. But again, even in their punishment, God promised that one day he would send a Savior to redeem mankind and to defeat Satan. So for roughly 4,000 years, those who followed God had faith in that promise. They would sacrifice animals as a symbol of the true sacrifice that would one day come in the future. It was bloody. It was messy. It was painful. And for millennia, the people of God lamented the fact that we as humans had rebelled against the God that gave us so much, and they longed for the Savior to come and to set them free from the bondage of sin and death. That's what the entire Old Testament consists of. God working in and through those who followed him in spite of their sin and their many failures. Giving them hope, working and preserving them all around the promise that one day in the future, at the right time, he would send the Savior. So it's no wonder Zechariah doubted the angel Gabriel there as he ministered in the temple that day. They had been waiting for centuries for the Messiah to come. And now an angel shows up and says that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son in their old age, even though they had never had, not been able to have children their entire lives. And this son was to be the forerunner of the Messiah. It seemed too good to be true. So looking at our passage from Hebrews for today, how does this help us answer the questions of why it had to be this way. Let's take a look at it. Nathan's read it for us. Starting at verse uh, 10 of chapter 2, which says, God, for whom and through him everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So the righteous, holy, perfect God and creator of the universe wanted to make it possible to have our relationship with him restored. He wanted to bring us back to that Eden, that paradise that he had created where life was perfect, where we had no wants or needs, where we lived in perfect harmony with one another and with God himself. And he chose Jesus to be the one that would make it possible for us who had rebelled against that loving God 
and to have that relationship once again restored. We had turned our backs on God and the paradise he had given us, and now he was offering us a second chance. In verses 11 through 13, the author tells us that Jesus accepted that role as, as Savior, and he calls us his brothers and sisters. He literally became one of us. It says, so now Jesus and the one he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God have given me. And then on in verses 14 to 18, we see God's plans for those who were separated from God to be made right again. We were spiritually dead and we needed life. God's holiness, his righteousness, his perfection demanded that the wages of sin be death. He warned Adam and Eve of that. He said, here is everything you could possibly want. The only stipulation is don't eat from that tree because if you do, that will be rebellion and death will be the consequence. So because of that reality, the only payment for our sin was the death of a sinless human. If death was the consequences of sin, then the only sacrifice that could redeem sin was innocent blood. None of us could do that on our own. We had already sinned. It was too late. But God knew that. And that is why in eternity past, he had already come up with a solution before any of this even took place. And that solution was that Jesus would become a human. He would be fully man and fully God. He would live a perfect and a sinless life. And he would take our punishment upon himself and defeat the curse of sin and death and restore the broken relationship between us and God. And we would one day spend eternity with him in heaven, just as he had created us to in the beginning. His sinless blood given to us would make it possible for us to be made clean. We needed a blood transfusion, one that would cover our past sin, one that would cover our present sin, and also our future sin as well. So keep these things in mind as I read these verses in 14 to 18 that say, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he be set only in this way could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help the angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through testing, suffering and testing, he is able to help us 
when we are being tested. As perfect, righteous, holy, and just, God could not turn a blind eye to sin. He could not sweep it under the rug or laugh it off as, well, they are just humans after all. No, it had to be punished. Otherwise, he wouldn't be righteous and just. But his love and his mercy desired that he be able to forgive us and to restore that relationship. And to me, the two can't mesh. You can't demand justice and also be, have grace and mercy as well. Because grace and mercy has to forgive, but justice has to punish. The law demands that the lawbreaker be punished, that retribution be paid. So how is there room for grace and mercy in that? And this is what's so amazing about our God. He took the punishment on himself that we deserved, and he paid the price for our acquittal so that justice was served, and he poured out his love and his compassion and grace and mercy on us. He determined the fine, but at the same time, he paid it in full. It reminds me of a verse that we know so well, and we can all quote it quite easily. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Scripture makes it clear, and I know we all know this, but I feel it has to be said that God offers his salvation to us as a free gift. It cannot be earned. All we need to do is believe that it is true, that it is reality. We need to realize and know that our sin has severed that relationship, and Christ's sacrifice pays, the full, pays in full the debt for us to be redeemed. So in closing, as a righteous and just God who could not tolerate sin, God created a universe and us as humans and gave us heaven on earth with only one stipulation. Yet, in spite of this wonderful gift, we still rejected him. But that did not foil his plan. He had already put it into place, he had already put that plan into motion to redeem us. And so that is what we celebrate, and that's what we look forward to in its full completion as well. God became a man, he lived a sinless life. He died in my place and in your place so that our relationship with God could be restored and we can spend eternity with him just as he created us to do. You have been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from November 27, 2022. The passage was Hebrews 2. 10 through 18. Take care.